Happy to have you back here at the podcast. We are having a flashback Friday today, which means I put this out probably in the very beginnings of my podcast, but I thought I would bring it back because this topic is also relevant. So many women nowadays have problems with their Islam. They're doubting, why is Islam so hard? Like, why does it have to be like this? Ugh, I don't want to get a Muslim man that's like this because this is what typically it's like in Islam. But guess what? Oftentimes, a lot of our quote-unquote problems with Islam are not from Islam at all. They're from us. They're from our cultural um, perspectives that have been imposed on Islam, on the religion that have nothing to do with it at all. And today we're covering the six top offenses. Take a listen. You might just be blown away. Welcome to the Mindful Muslim Speaks podcast. I'm your host, Mindful Muslim, where we're bringing you podcasts two times a week on topics that you care about. And we are here helping to educate, motivate, and support women in topics that they care about, such as love, marriage, parenting, organization hacks. And here we're talking about spirituality today in culture and religion. And before we start, I do want to say that I am so excited for 2021. I know 2020 has not been the easiest. We all can, I think, acknowledge that. But it doesn't mean it doesn't have to be great in the upcoming months and year. And whatever is going out in the world, let me just tell you, and I talk to all my students now that I'm working with inside of our um, emotions course is that it doesn't matter what's going on in your environment outside. If you can find that inner peace inside, you can still thrive. And that's what we help women to do. And very much like Ibrahim السلام, how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala explains how he was in the fire and yet the fire was cool for him. That's that idea. The idea that the good believer, the striving believer, it can they, they can be positive regardless of what's going on around them. So with that said, in 2021, we have a ton of great stuff. First of all, we are starting on Monday back our marriage tips. Yes, for all of you who have been DMing me, please, please bring them back. They are coming. We had just taken a break. We have different people. Now, it's going to be very interesting because we're going to talk about marriage and we're going to talk also about from the perspective of being married, and then we're going to talk into how to seek a spouse. So all of you uni students who are out there striving, trying to find a guy, we get it. We know the struggles. We feel you. And so we're going to be talking a bit about that too. And so we're going to give you tips on kind of like, let's see what we got here going on. We have like what to avoid, what not to look for in a spouse, some red flags, um, some things that we're going to talk about in how to actually look for a spouse. We're going to talk about intercultural marriages. I know many of you out there are married to guys from different countries. And it's always it's always interesting, right? So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about New Year's resolutions and breaking bad habits and all that good stuff. Um, Christmas is coming up. So for all you reverts who find holiday times difficult, we're definitely, we got you covered there. And we're going to do an entire inspirational Muslim women series where we bring these amazing female role models and teach you about how we can just aspire to be like them as well. And a whole bunch more stuff leading up to Ramadan, getting you spiritually pumped and motivated and ready. We're going to do tons of Ramadan prep as usual. So look forward to all of that in the coming months. So let's get on into today's topic, which is culture. But lastly, before we do, I just want to welcome all the women who are new to the podcast. We have had a ton of new women. And if I had not said already, 
welcome sis. So glad you're here because this is a space where we can get together as women and be incredibly raw and honest and talk about stuff that people are not really getting into in other places. Because what I find is we have two kind of camps that are going on. We find this like super hyper religious camp where people are like, everything is haram, like haram police. Then we find like this other like end of the spectrum where everything is like kind of loosey goosey, where everything is like, oh, do it best for you. Feel it out, sis. Do you, which is like also, I'm sorry, not Islam. <laughs> so here we are in the middle, in the middle where Rasulullah said to, to be balanced. So we're having our Islamic identity, we're maintaining it, but we're not like bashing you over the head with it. And we're not pretending like we're not really Muslim only in name when we're pretty much doing everything else. So that's how we how we roll here in Mindful Muslim. We kind of keep it real, keep it um, relatable, but also we're just incredibly honest about like what Islam is supposed to be like and how you can incorporate it in your modern Muslim life. And that's what we help them with here. All right, let's get into culture versus Islam. This will be very exciting. Um, I can't wait to talk about this because this is what so many women um, have struggled with. But if we can clear some of these up, I think it'll really help. So we're going to get into the fl it's Flashback Friday. So I'm going to play and record here now of our audio from about a year ago where I gave you guys this message. You guys responded really well. You loved it. I'm bringing it back. Be forgiving on the audio, guys. We've learned a lot since then. But either way, an amazing podcast. Hope you enjoy Okay, guys, so the top six things. Oh, wow. I really hope everybody hears this and really, really can just meditate on if this is happening in their family and just identifying that this is more cultural and in fact not Islamic and we should stop doing it. See, the beautiful thing about the fact we're from different cultures is that we get to all bring our cultures and keep them. We can bring our cultures and say, yeah, I that beautiful food, those beautiful clothes, as long as they are in the, in the beautiful thoughts and beliefs and systems and things that we have for our family, as long, the caveat is as long as it is within the Islamic idea. So for example, if I have a culture where we eat pork, we have amazing food and stuff, but some of it is pork because some people, you know, they come into Islam, then I can keep all the amazing food minus the pork or minus the non-halal, you know, like it's just, but I can keep all the other beautiful stuff, the great sauces, the spices. I mean, there's just no need to throw the baby out with the bathwater. It's not what we're discussing or the clothing, as long as it covers properly or whatever. And the same thing is with our family interactions, which is a lot of what I'm going to do today. This stuff that nobody's paying attention to that is so not Islamic and harmful even sometimes. Guys, please, please do take um, some of this information, jot it down or Identify if this is in your family and try to change it because I know we work on that as our family as well. Okay, diving right in. Number one, dua. When you're making supplication, like prayer supplication, guys, what is this? Some cultures, we are not me necessarily, but we're making dua against other people. Let me tell you what that might sound like. I'm not going to start saying all the horrible things I've heard because that would not be good to repeat it. But I will say things like, um, may Allah curse you. May Allah give you a black day. May Allah burn your house. May Allah let the jinn take you. These are things I've heard in, in other languages um, said, usually not in English. It's usually in the other language of the culture of whatever they're from, um, to other people. This is so bad. This is not only completely cultural and un-Islamic, it is actually even harmful to ourself. We think we're mad at somebody and we're just like, oh, you know, and we just say something at the top of our tip of our tongue. It's actually so not good for even us. We're actually harming ourselves. And let me tell you why. If you didn't already know, every dua you make and every dua I make, after we make it, the angels say, and the same for you. 
So if I say, may Allah curse you, astaghfirullah, who will say this? The angels will say in the same for you. If I say, may Allah burn your house, in the same for you. May Allah may you go to that. Astaghfirullah, why would we do that to ourselves? This is ridiculous, right? So instead, instead, I'm mad at that sister. I'm not so happy with her right now. She's kind of like said something bad to me, made me feel horrible, harmed me. I can make da'a for her. May Allah guide her. And may Allah give her jannah for da'us. And then when I, when the angels respond, the same for you. May Allah give you jannah for da'us. And people are like, oh, I'm not going to go make da'a for some girl and I'm mad at her. If you can't make da'a for them, that means something is wrong with your heart. I'm just being honest with you. Because what happens is our hearts do get black if we, if we get to a certain state. And I get to a certain state. This is for all of us. And we have to be able to forgive others. And why? Why? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala teaches us if we don't forgive people, people will not for- Allah will not forgive us. Like, why is that girl worth my time if not getting forgiven by Allah because I can't forgive her? It's because Allah is most just. He's al-adl. So he's not going to like, oh, like you just go around not ever forgiving people and cursing on them, but I'm supposed to forgive you when you do your little mistake. That doesn't really seem fair, guys. We have to kind of be honest with ourselves. So it's very fair. And we need to stop making da'a against other people. If you hear people do that, tell them, please, sister, don't do that. It's not beneficial for you. You're actually only cursing yourself. Don't don't instead encourage people to make da'a that, that Allah guides those people people number two women's rights okay so i did a whole podcast before on women's rights where you can go back you can check out exactly all the amazing rights that we have as women and we got them mostly before the western world which even though the western world thinks we're backwards and we're oppressed and stuff but amazingly we've had them before but nobody highlights these amazing things of course but anyway so just two i want to mention today because they are very very cultural is one sometimes families tell their girls that they're not allowed to get educated that they're going to be housewives so there's no point in them to go to school and they should just stay in the house and their husbands will be educated and take care of them. Now, yes, their husbands will work and take care of them. And that is absolutely Islamic, true, but it in no way says that women should not be educated. In fact, Islam promotes education for women because the woman, uh, the, the mom is the first school for the child. Think about if the mom is not exposed to really great ideas and education. How can she raise her children and give them proper advice and guidance? So having an educated woman is actually an extreme benefit for a family because she's able to handle issues within her home and outside of her home in a very um, mature and educated way. And so it's benefit to the entire family. So if you've ever heard this, this is totally untrue. Second, like part two of women's rights. This one makes me sad, guys. And unfortunately, this is how we get our bad labeling as Muslims. Sometimes in the world, and I've seen this all types of places, I'm not going to mention specific countries, but we get this cultural norm that it's okay to beat women Or that if you get married, most likely your husband's going to beat you and that's just to be expected. That's complete garbage, guys. That's absolutely not from Islam. If your culture has told you that, that is exactly what that is, cultural. And that is not Islamic. We have these things that happen in culture before Islam came. It's the time of jahiliyyah. If you don't know what jahiliyyah is, jahiliyyah is the time of ignorance. The time when people were doing things in a silly, silly way, a not beneficial way to anyone. And Islam came and it corrected things. Like maybe if they buried their girl child, their, their, their females when they were born, Islam said, absolutely not. We don't bury babies. What is that? And so this is a similar thing. The beating of women is absolutely unforgivable and not acceptable. So we have to 
when I say unforgivable, I mean, obviously you can make tawbah, but I mean, it is completely, completely abhorred, abhorred in Islam. So if you've ever experienced this, you know, f- women in your family that are getting abused, this is absolutely not acceptable and not Islam. You're not supposed to grin and bear it and ha- have patience. That's actually not true. So, um, I'm, uh, and, if, and if you do need guidance on that, I, I implore you to go to an imam that you trust and to um, ex- talk to him about this and if you can bring your husband in. But yeah, this is totally cultural, not okay, guys. So number three, the race raising of children. Okay. As a mom, I'm not going to lie. This breaks my heart too. I hear this all the time. It is so not okay. And I'm going to give you two parts for this one too. The first one is calling children bad names. Now in some families, they think it's totally harmless. Like, and I'm going to give you some names that I, cause they're not curses, but they're just not nice things when they call kids kelb or they kill kids, uh, call kids haiwan and this. Okay. So there's a lot of psychology around these types of things and about name calling of children and how whatever we tell our children they are is what they tend to become. So if you're constantly calling your children donkeys and dogs and animals and all types of things like that, and you're basically saying their behavior is like subhuman, then what do you think their behavior is going to be? Then the parents are like, oh, I don't know why he's so out of control. He's such a kelb. Like, you know, well, of course he's a kelb because you're always calling him this. Like, this is not acceptable. When we call our children these things, some cultures, it's totally normal. If they hear me talking about this they're gonna be like oh she's ridiculous she's so extra but that's not the case it's so so much research around how how this type of behavior towards children actually harms their self-esteem it harms their happiness they grow up thinking they're worthless it's actually extremely damaging to children please if people do this in your family try to discourage it don't engage in it yourself and you might find yourself doing it with your own kids because that's what you were told please stop the cycle it is not okay and it's actually not islamic at all number two putting and this is another one that's more subtle because it's not like a cursing or anything is putting your kids down in order because you believe that in putting them down you're going to make them stronger okay let me give you a perfect example um like some people if they have a daughter in their family that's overweight they'll all call her like she's a big fatty or she's so fat or she's a pig or something like that and they're like well and if you ask them why do they do that because i've done that they say well you know she needs to lose weight so we're helping her lose weight because if we tell her that then eventually she'll know she needs to get skinny and she'll get herself skinny and that's what they believe they're helping her because they can't just let her be like that so they have to just shame her into being better or some maybe a child's doing poorly in school they'll tell them you're so stupid you're you're nothing you see how you are you're nothing and you, you're not as good as this one or you know whatever and that's another one comparing siblings so we have to be really careful these types of things are not allowed in islam and even that actually i didn't plan that one but i'll add that one in comparing siblings Comparing siblings is really bad too. The third one, because the Prophet, peace be upon him, said, Whatever you do for one sibling, you have to do for the other. Or for your one child, you have to do for the other. Because there, there's something called sibling rivalry, as we all know, and it can cause a lot of issues. We're going to take a break. Okay, guys, sorry, there was um, an emergency because somebody needed mangoes and they needed it right now. Hashtag mom life. So. <laughs> As I mentioned, there's so many moving parts in our family right now. And keeping with the promise of giving you two podcasts a week is my job and I'm doing it. But this week, normally I have a space and time where I do podcasts and I do record them. But because we are in a situation where we're actually physically moving, we're like uprooting our house and moving, we're not in our normal spaces and things. So yeah, I might have to stop and apparently give someone mangoes. So <laughs> sorry for that, guys. All right, carrying on. So we did what, number one, which was da. Number two, women's rights. Number three, raising kids. Number four, 
is, ooh, four, five, six, yeah. Four is regarding family relations. Okay, so I'm going to say this one and some people might hate me because you know what? When you hear the truth, it hurts and you don't want to do it because now you know and then you're like, ah, okay, family is important. Sometimes we're really close with certain people. Cousins. Yeah, I'm just going to talk about cousins. It is not permissible to kiss, shake hands, sit with, hang out, chat with your cousins. They are not halal for us. There is unhalal is a guy in the street who we don't know. It's just not permissible. And texting and phoning the same way. It's just like, I know this is something super cultural, so sensitive in families. I know you have these people who you love dearly. They're the, the, the your cousin from this and this is aunt. I know, but this is, <laughs> this is not okay. And I'm going to get into a little bit more like the specific reasoning of why it's not okay because Allah is so wise and he knows like the type of potential of things that can happen and that's why he creates these situations for us to to avoid. And so, um, yeah, they're not allowed, not permissible at all. If you were told it is and you're meant to feel it is, it's not. And you know, the thing I want to tell you guys before I, I get into the specific of this is there's going to be things in Islam that your family tells you. It's, it's amazing to me that I don't know why families do this. They actually tell their children to do the unis. Islamic version of things and you're gonna have to get to a point in your life where you get strong within yourself and you understand that you want to choose what Allah loves you want to care what Allah thinks over what people think because it's going to be a matter of like oh how could you do this to me the family's going to think this society's going to think this you need to choose Allah first and it's a hard road guys it's hard it's going to be a lonely road sometimes because sometimes you're the only one in the family that does it but guess what it doesn't come without immense reward. So you're going to understand that you might be going through that, but Allah sees everything. He's going to make it easy for you. And the dunya might see easy, be easy just to be like, oh, forget it. But in the akhirah, it's really, really um, going to pay off in the end and you're going to see in, in the afterlife that... that God saw everything you were going through. Allah saw everything you were going through and it's going to be worth it. So what are some like the reasons why it makes sense not to be this way with cousins and things? And so I'm going to extend this into part two and then just give you like a, a specific thing that I've seen these things happen. <laughs> and so like, and I've heard these stories. So um, it's, it's also, let's say we're going to extend it into like sitting in mixed settings with family that male and female that are not permissible. For example, in my house, when you come in my house, if you're my family and you're not allowed to sit with one another, we have separate spaces. We have completely separate spaces. Men go sit in this area of the house. Women go sit in this area of the house. You know, food will be brought in and delivered this and that. And then after that, everybody goes to their specific spots. All the women hang out. All the men hang out. There's no reason for you to want to hang out with anyone in the other room. If you want to hang out with someone in the other room, guys, it means there's something bad within your heart and my heart. I'm just being honest with you because we're not supposed to want to be around people that are not permissible for us. If Allah said something is not allowed, we're not supposed to desire it. It's just not, it just says something about where we are in our deen. So what happens is, this is why. Let me tell you the benefit. Let me tell you the beauty, the wisdom behind not sitting together. Because guess what? Like, okay, you're all sitting around. Everybody's there. We were with your husband. Your husband, and there's another sister across. She's an extended cousin or family member or something. And let's just pretend she's pretty attractive, you know, whatever she is. And then your husband, she tells a joke or she says a story. And your husband's like, ha, 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 ha. And then usually the woman's going to try and be like, oh, oh, so she's funny. He thought she was funny. Oh, really? <laughs> and then the, guy, the husband will do the same thing. You'll just totally innocently just be like oh you know like you found something funny you laugh and your husband you know after dinner is going to pull you aside and be like oh so you think he's better than me you think he's amazing you think he's funny 
extreme jealousy. You don't understand that things happen. Also, guys, not everybody's heart is pure. What if there's somebody on the other side of your family that is as eyeballing your husband, as eyeballing you? It is not okay. Or even your daughters or your or your sons that are not that are of marriageable age that aren't yet. There's so much fitna. It's the same fitna that exists, the same test that exists if you were outside at a regular restaurant hanging out with just people you didn't know. It's there's reasoning behind it, guys. I've seen marriages go into turmoil and almost end over these types of fights. So, so beneficial for us to just follow the rules. They really work in our favor. Number five, clothing. Some cultures tell women that they don't have to wear hijab. Some families tell their girls, you don't have to wear hijab till after you're married. Not true. I don't know who made that up. That is so made up. That is bidah. And the reason it's made up is because Islam tells us that women have to wear hijab in puberty. Now, a lot of families, they do it again because they care about what people think. And they're like, oh, you know, my daughter and this. And they they consider like, oh, it's so um, extreme to have her wear hijab. It's not extreme. Who lied and said it was extreme? Who made that rule up that it's extreme? See, we need to stop just listening to people and believing whatever they say is. We need to follow Islam. Islam actually, Allah made the rules, not human beings who are not perfect. And the other thing is sometimes moms want their daughters to get married. So they're like, oh, you have to take off your hijab so they could see how beautiful you are so you can get married. Really? <laughs> That's just going to make an unreligious guy be attracted to her. Because if any guy that wants a girl that is of that age and doesn't wear hijab, that says a lot about where he is in his deen. Now, if you marry an unreligious guy or a guy that is less religious, and I'm not like bashing anybody's husband if this is the way your marriage went. I'm trying to say that usually a guy, if he's in a very good place in his deen, he will want a woman who is equal to him. And if that's the case, honestly, she should be in hijab. So if you get a guy that ends up being more cultural and less religious, guys, you can, like, we can have marital problems, some really big marital problems. When it comes to real fights, he will follow his culture. He will not follow Islam. Maybe Islam will tell him he's wrong and he should apologize to you. But he won't because his culture tells him he doesn't have to answer to you because you're a woman and women this and women that. Like the cultures are more like male chauvinistic and the Islam is more equal and, and a lot of equity. Let's just say equity. And so it's more beneficial to us to just follow the rules because they benefit us in the end. And really, really, that's just the honest truth. So regarding like clothing and stuff, don't take the advice from families. Take advice, please, from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The last one I'm going to touch on is one that women will probably want more information on in wedding. And I'm thinking of doing, a, like I said, a course on this because there is such horrible information out there. I'm sorry, and explain to us because of the cultures. Okay, weddings, sisters. The way engagements are done, what is permissible and not permissible is totally cultural these days. No, you cannot chat and text with the guy and you're, you don't have any paperwork with him that you're his actual wife. No, you can't. No, you can't go out to restaurants with him. Um, no, you can't be alone with him in cars. Um, no, you can't be d- chatting with him online. I don't know. Some of our families um, allow this for our daughters. This is absolutely not safe for her and not allowed. And if this is what's being done in your family, just you need to know that this is just not permissible. This is not Islamic. And some people are like, oh, well, how am I supposed to know? How am I supposed to get to know him? There are ways. Like, that's what I mean. I need to make a course on it. There are definite ways to do it. People just want to do what's like Western. You know, I'm just not going to lie. They just want to copy the West and, you know, and, and create alternative ways of doing Islam. It's just not necessary. Allah doesn't need our help, guys. He made Islam perfect. He doesn't need our two cents in like how we should fix the marriage process. Okay, so there are ways. If you guys are interested, like I said, maybe I'll go into it more. 
Um, the second, it's going to be three parts in marriage. Part two is the need for these huge weddings. Okay. So many families, they go broke over these weddings. Come on, you've seen them. And it's like, well, your cousin had an amazing, huge wedding. So you need to have one too, because this and this and this and subhanAllah, it's so horrible. These weddings in Islam, it is not at all how it works. The Islamic wedding is supposed to be so cheap, even the dowries. Sometimes because the guy doesn't have papers, the, the family charges him like thirty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000. I've even heard $100,000 to marry the daughter. What is she, a cow? Are we selling her? Astaghfirullah. Like, I'm not even joking, guys. This is haram. And because you're putting a hardship on the man, you're putting a hardship on the woman, you're creating debts that people have to pay back before their life even began. This is completely impermissible and totally cultural. And the idea of showing off and wearing like five different dresses and I, I know people know that stuff has to be cultural. So it's it's totally not from Islam. Islam is so simple, so beautiful. Like I said, if you guys want me to go into how to do it Islamically, I can maybe in a course, but because it's kind of hard with the whole podcasting. But inshallah, ta'ala, we'll see. Let me know. Now, the last one with the wedding is parents' over involvement in the decisions for the bride and the groom. I'm not even just talking about the wedding here, I'm talking about who they marry. The, the mom and dad, first of all, totally cultural, is never allowed to choose who you marry, it's actually, it actually invalidates the marriage and makes it impermissible. So if a girl ends up forced to marry her cousin from the village, this is not allowed at all. It's totally cultural, like I said, not Islamic. So we have to understand that our daughters have rights. If we are a mother, please don't do that to your daughter. I won't do that to my daughter. We have to make sure that we get, and our sons too, we have to make sure they're happy guys because you know what happens? If they're not happy, then they start to hate the spouse. They start to resent them. They start to resent us for forcing their life. Then they start to do things like cheat on their spouse. And this happens, let's just be real in our community and start looking outside. They're not happy within their marriage. And then each person Person ends up with a horrible life we're honestly setting our children up for misery so we have to understand that these beautiful rules where the, the daughter can choose now she should have guidance with the with the mahram and all this stuff i'm not talking about that i'm talking about like forcing there is some forcing or coercion or deep pressure that families put on their 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 children and this is something that islam does not permit they have the free will to choose and this also um in some respects goes with the divorcing as well guys and i'm not getting into that right now because there's a lot of fiqh involved but we're also told that divorce is not allowed and that is also not permissible. It is abhorred by Allah as the most disgusting of acts by Allah, but is never not allowed. And th- there are situations where that might have to happen. So I hope these cultural versus Islam type topics have been really helpful in giving some insight of where there might be some mistakes. And if you're a person who's new to Islam, these are things that we need to know are just not um, part of Islam. They're just things that are cultural and they are things that we were asked to leave behind but not everybody does it as well as others so may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy for us to leave these things and to only accept the beautiful uh things that islam teaches us that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us
Thank you so much, guys. Thank you for tuning in. We have ended that portion of that flashback. And inshallah, bismillah, that'll be hope you have an amazing weekend. Quick favor to ask. I know it's like a shameless ask, but the truth is in a superficial world that we live in, this is how it happens. If you have been benefiting from this podcast, maybe you've even DM'd us about it. Please just take a moment right now if you're on Apple Podcast and go to the review section and leave a review. It takes about 20 seconds. It lets women know that this is a space where they can get help. And you even get rewarded for helping other women to find help, if that makes any sense. So alhamdulillah, thank you so much for enjoying the podcast. Do leave us an honest review and thank you so much. We will talk to you again in the next one.